Could we uh, stand together in honor of God's word? We are in a series called Uniquely Luke. It is a reference to passages and parables that are only found in the book of Luke. Today, it is Luke chapter 16. We're gonna read verses one through 13. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever's dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, Who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one, to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray. Lord, would you open our hearts, hide me behind the cross, bring light into our darkness, We need you. Reveal yourself to us. Break fear in this place so that we can be the people of God and carry out the mission of God, we ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of the message this morning is Joyful Giving. If you are new or relatively new, I want to explain why things are the way they are. So in 1996, Shane Holden planted Mad City Church, and it was to be a church for people that didn't go to church, people that didn't like church. Number one rule is he preached in blue jeans so that no one would feel like they don't fit or they have to dress up or perform in some way, and so that's where come as you are came. The second thing that he insisted on, because here's why his friends wouldn't go to church. Church just wants my money. Deeply cynical, church just wants my money. So he's like, all right, we're gonna take that away. We're gonna start a church and it's gonna be just giving boxes and we're not gonna talk about money. We're not gonna have offerings. We're not gonna, before offerings, say, you know, you need to give, you need to sow a seed. We just, we're not, we're not going, we're just gonna take that away and if people put money in those boxes, then the church will continue and if people don't put money in the boxes, then 
obviously God doesn't want to support the church, so we will just close the doors. That's how we're going to do it. And so that's how they did Mad City Church. And when City Church started in 2010, Mad City and Lake City coming together, I'm like, this is, this is a deal breaker. We have to go to giving boxes, and it's going to be the same rules on offerings, no offerings. And we're not going to talk about money. Money is not going to be the issue. Either God provides or he doesn't. And so that's why things are the way they are here. The only time we talk about money or raise money is when it's for someone else. So it is for missions, and this is, uh, there's one other time we talk about it, and this was from Shane too, is when it's in the text. When When the Bible is talking about it, which the Bible actually has quite a bit to say about money, there are so many blessings and promises connected to us being faithful with our money that we will preach boldly what the word of God says when it is just in the text that Sunday. And so... That's how we run things here, and today it is in the text. So it's called joyful giving. So here's point one. Point one, we are stewards, not owners. So in this parable, we have got a guy that is the manager. The the rich man has hired this guy. The manager, he is... It's not his money. It belongs to somebody else, but he is in charge of taking care of it. This is what a steward is. In in 1 Corinthians 4.2, it says, as for stewards, what is required of stewards is that they be found faithful. They are supposed to be watching over something that is not theirs. They need to do it faithfully, and this guy isn't doing it faithfully, and that's why he's about to lose his job. In the Old Covenant... The tithe belonged to God. God said the first 10% belongs to me. So you, you owe God that 10%. And if you didn't pay your tithe, which is how they re- referenced it, you pay your tithe. If you don't pay your tithe, you are in essence robbing God. And this is Malachi 3.9 explains how the tithe works and how God feels about it, that if you don't give it, you are robbing God and you bring a curse on your finances. So that is old covenant. In the new covenant, it's actually much worse than the new covenant. Luke 14 verse 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So in the New Testament, it's not 10% that belongs to God. It's 100%. God owns everything. God owns all your money, your house, your cars, your, your everything. Everything belongs to God. You can't be his disciple unless everything belongs to him. However, Jesus took the curse on the cross. So no believer has a curse on their finances, whether they give or don't give. Jesus took the curse for us because God wanted a different system in the new covenant called grace. So here's 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. 
So this is what, this is what God wanted, that people would give not reluctantly, not, not fearfully, and not under compulsion, not because they owe it and they have to pay it and, and it's, it's begrudging, but rather he reveals himself as this provider that is gonna provide all things so that we are free to give without fear and that he will not just give, but he will give so that we have an abundance so that we can be givers, that God's ultimate purpose is not that we would give to get, but that we would give so that we can keep giving, so that we can be a generous people. He himself is a cheerful giver, and he wants to raise up generous people that share his heart in that. So he gives these extravagant promises around us giving. Look at Luke 6, 38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. God knows the human heart. He knows how close money is to the human heart and that we could use that money. And so God's like, here's what I'm gonna do for you. I want to be your provider, and so I want you to be free to give, and no, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give it back. I'll press it down, I'll shake it together, and of course, how does that work? How, how can that possibly work? And I think that God understands mankind, especially men in this area. So God gives a special promise in Malachi 3.10. He says, bring the whole tithe in, and he says, test me. Go ahead and test. This is the only area you get to test God, and I think it's for men. It's like, man, this isn't gonna work. This isn't gonna work. God says, test me. Go ahead and try it. I will open up heaven, and I will provide for you an abundance. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and you will be called a delight by the nations. God says, this area, I want to show myself strong. I want to show myself powerful. You can trust me and be free then to give. So here is point two, three incentives God gives in this passage. Three incentives to giving so that we'll be joyful in our giving. Here's the first one. We will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. What, is, what on earth does this mean? This parable, and Jesus loved to do this. He loved to take corrupt people in the world and then spin it and make a lesson out of it. And so he, he takes this, this parable. This is one of the craziest parables. <laughs> this, this dishonest guy, and here's the situation. He's been caught being dishonest. And so he knows he's only got a little time left. The, the owner says, you're about to be fired. So I've got a very brief time. So he takes this brief time that he's got left and he uses his current position to make deals with people because he's foreseeing, I'm not gonna work here very much longer and I wanna be welcomed into their homes after I'm done. They might have a job for me. They might have something for me. So he's making these deals using his present position and so that he will be welcomed when he loses his job because he's only gonna have his job for a very brief time. So the rich guy that hired him, <laughs> instead of being mad, commends him. He's like, that was pretty smart. You knew you were almost done. 
And so you took your little position that you had and your, the authority that you had and you used it and you made a future for yourself. He's like, you were shrewd. And then Jesus says, the people of this world are wiser than the, the, the children of light. That he says to the children of light, that if we saw things rightly, we, we would use our wealth so that we are welcomed into eternal dwellings. What? What does that even mean? So it turns out that everything you give secretly here will be known there. And Jesus says this. You have got a very brief time. I'm telling you right now, your life on this earth is very brief. The the whole idea of, of money, all the money belongs to him. And you can't take it with you. You're not going to have, you can't take anything with you to heaven. And, but you've got a very, very brief time when you can change people's eternity. Here's how Jesus said it. This is John 9, 4. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's still day. Because night is coming when no one can work. We, are, we live in a time called the favorable year of the Lord. This is a time of God's favor. It is a time of God's salvation. A night of judgment is coming when no one can get saved anymore. It's over. We're, we're so used to second chances. We're so used to more time. Uh, God is very patient, but the time is going to run out. This is the time for salvation. And so... We can use our worldly wealth to give, to to sow into other people's salvation. The way we spend our money can change the eternity for people. And when I was deciding whether to do Uniquely Luke for the whole year, the confirmation of it was that on Mission Sunday, this is the Sunday I talk about missions because next week is Tom Alexander and the two weeks after that are the missions conference and I'm not speaking, so this is the week. It fell right on this week that God says how you spend your money will change the eternity of many people. Here's how missions works. They go, missionaries go, we've got like, I don't know, 40 missionaries coming back. They go, but they only can go because somebody sends them. This is how God set it up. Hudson Taylor said, I, lower me down into the darkness of the well, and I will bring light in the darkness, but you have to hold the rope. There, there's two parts to missions, going and those that send them. They can't do what they do if we don't do what we do. So we're all, everybody here is called to missions. We're all called to reach the whole world. And so when you and I partner with them, All of their fruit is not just their fruit, it's our fruit. And it will be known. It will be known in heaven. And people will say, because people, everybody that's lived in this planet knows how important money is. And the idea that people took of their own money and chose to give to India and to to the Dominican Republic and to Mexico and and the, the people down here could have used it for themselves, but they chose to give it in another way. That's all going to be known, and, and there's going to, we're going to be like heroes of, of their dwelling. They're going to have a dwelling. Welcome, Bob. This guy, this guy sacrificed. This guy gave. This guy, it will all be known. 
on that side. So Jesus said, given away now, you've got a very, very brief opportunity, given away that you will be welcomed, celebrated in eternal dwellings. So last year, our, our goal was $250,000. We, we raise it by both gifts that people just give, one-time gifts, and by these pledge cards. We, we call them faith pledge cards. They are not vows that anybody takes that if you promise, you know, you disappointed God and you broke a vow to God. No, they're just pledges. They say, if God, as God enables me, I plan in this next year to give X amount of money. And through, through pledges and gifts, our goal is 250000 We raised well over $250,000 last year. It's amazing. Yeah. This congregation is so generous. Each one just did their part, and we put them all together, and it added up to over $250,000. Well, I think we all know that inflation has taken a toll on money, but in the third world, um, what's happened is the dollar has become weaker, and that means they get less for the dollars that they used to get. And so I asked the missions committee for all of our third world missionaries that we would give them a 10% raise this year. That just across the board, everybody gets a 10% raise. And so this year's goal is 300,000. And how does this work? Well, next week, Monday, we will send a letter out. It will be from me to all of our membership. And it will have a pledge, a faith pledge card in each envelope. To, to be praying over. And then three weeks from now, in the Sunday morning service, Marcia was speaking that morning, but at the end of that service, we will, there will be a, a, a faith pledge card on everybody's bulletin, and we will take them in our hands, and we will commit it to God. We will commit the 300,000 to God. And, and how does it work? Well, here's how it works. We each do our part. None of us could write a check for $300,000, but it, it, it's, it's enough that we just please God. God, what would you have me do? God, what, what, what's my part in this? And some can just give a gift. Many of us don't have that much money in our account to just write a gift, but we could, over the, the year, we could make sacrifices, cuts, so that we could give X amount a month, and here's, as God makes me able, this is what I'm planning on doing. And it's the most beautiful thing, because when we each just obey God and respond to God and make our pledge and give our gift, it's amazing when you put it all together. The need is met and the world is changed. And so the, the big goal is not $300,000. The big goal is to please God. That each of us would just please God. And that then we, together as a church, please God. And this is... This, this is beautiful and it's powerful, especially in America where it's all about us and it's all about for us to put ourselves together and give our gifts together to God and then let him just bless it and change the world. Amazing. I believe it with all my heart. It will happen. So that's the first incentive that's given. Here's the second incentive. Number one, we will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Number two, he will entrust us with eternal riches. Our, the NIV says true riches. That if you're not faithful 
with worldly wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches or the eternal riches? If you're not faithful with what belongs to somebody else, then who's going to give you your own stuff? So God says this about money and resources. They're not yours. They belong to him. And, you, and, and you'll know it when you die because you won't be able to take anything with you. There's no U-Hauls when you die. It's, it's just you. So it's all God's. All the resources are God's. But God says that if we're faithful with worldly wealth, that he will give us eternal riches or the true riches. And we can be owners of, of those things, we are, we, we're, we're taking care of somebody else's property, but when he gives us the true riches, those are ours. Those are eternal. That means, that, here's what this means. He tests us with worldly wealth, and then he starts releasing truth about who he is, about his ways, about who we are in him, about he, he transforms us. Anything God gives you, any truth that he gives you, you get to keep that for all eternity. That's yours to keep. Money is going to come and go, but anything God gives you about him, about you, about his ways, um, that, those are eternal riches. Those are the things that will stay with you for all eternity. And then on top of that, he gives in, in Luke 19 the parable of the talents, that, that if you are faithful with what you have with worldly wealth, he is going to assign responsibility in the kingdom. And some are going to be over 10 cities. And the position that we have there is related to our faithfulness here. It's amazing. Now look at this promise in Matthew 6, 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why would that ever be like that? It turns out that money is so close to the human heart that when you invest in something, your heart changes toward it. That God, many, many today in America especially have given up on the local church. They've given up on organized religion. But Jesus said, I will build my church. And so when you and I invest in the local church, our heart responds. And we start Believing and valuing the local church the way Jesus does, with all of its imperfections, with all of its wounding, with all of its hurts, the, the local church is what Jesus is building. And when we invest in it, we are no longer its critic. We are, we're a stockholder. <laughs> this is our thing. We are building this together with Jesus. It's amazing. Our hearts can be changed just by giving. All right, so that's two. Here's three. First, he'll, we'll be welcome in eternal dwelling. Secondly, he will entrust us with eternal riches. Thirdly, he will break the power of money over our life. He says you cannot serve God and money. Notice this. He doesn't say you should not serve God and money. He says it's impossible. You can't. What are you most afraid of? If you are most afraid of being without money, then money is probably your God. If you're most afraid of being without God, then God is your God. What is your comfort? If your comfort is your job and your bank account, 
then money is probably what's ruling things right now. If your comfort is that you are in a relationship with a God, that it doesn't matter what the economy is, what your bank account is, whether you lose your job or not, because he is your provider, he is your provision, then God is your God. But you can't serve both. Money, money is a horrible master. It controls by fear, and it makes you stingy and holding on, and God is committed to freeing you from, the, from money's power and money's voice. And how does he do it? Through us giving. He says, you give, and not only will I make sure you're provided for, I will be your provider, and I will break fear over your life. I will reveal myself as a generous God. So I, I'm going to close with two stories. Story number one. It's February 9th, 1991. I know the exact dates because I read the one-year Bible, and when God gives me a verse out of it, I know exactly what day it was given to me. Here's our situation. I work at the church here. Alice is a stay-at-home mom. We have three little kids at the time. We're living in a place called MacArthur Manor, and at that time, it was the second most dangerous place in the, in the city of Madison. It got the second most police calls of any other place because there were drugs there, lots of bad stuff there. Anyway, why were we there? It was cheap. <laughs> we had a three-bedroom townhouse, and we're on a very limited income. So here it is. It's February 9th, 1991. I'm up in that balcony having my quiet time, and I read this verse from Psalm 31, verse 19. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. And I'm just drinking this verse in. God, you, you've got good. Your goodness is so great, and you've got things stored up that you want to give, and, and it's in this life. It's before people now. It's in the sight of people now, and so I'm like, God, what have you stored up for us? What have you stored up that you want to give before people? And he said, a house. I was so excited, and I went home, and I told Alice, I said, honey, Today in my quiet time, God told me he's got a house stored up for us. He's going to give us a house. Before people, he's going to give us a house. And she's like, that's great, baby. <laughs> Honestly, at that point, I didn't have a great track record with God told me. <laughs> it, she, there had been some misfires. And so she's, she, she's, she's, you know, that's really good, honey. I'm glad, I'm glad God told you that. So next day. It's the very next day, I'm back up in the balcony, and now I am praying, we're in a young adults group, and one of the couples is just in desperate financial situation, and I'm praying that God would provide this need, that God would take from somebody that's got a lot, and that they would bless this couple, and I knew all of the other couples in our group were all as broke as we were, so we couldn't help them, but God, please help them somewhere, and, and God spoke, and here's what he said. Give them $200. And I, I know it's crude to give numbers, but because of, you'll see why the numbers are important. So he says, give $200. You say, Pastor Tom, how do you know that God's the one that told you to give $200? Well, uh, let me tell you how. 
it didn't come from me. <laughs> that the idea that we were going to somehow be the answer was not anywhere near my mind. Give $200. And I said, God, I said, God, this is going, this is going the wrong $200. That's a significant portion of our entire wealth. I mean, it's like a fifth of all the money we have in the world. And you want me to give it to this young couple. I'm like, this is going the wrong way. Yesterday you said we're going to get a house. Now you're telling me to give $200 away. And it just came right back. I thought that you didn't have money for a house. Yeah, we're not using your money to get the house. You don't have that much. So what's it matter whether you give away $200? Hmm. Okay. I decide I'm going to give the $200 away. And he immediately, when I make that decision, says, I'm going to multiply it a hundred times for a down payment. A hundred times. Do you know what a hundred times 200 is? It's $20,000. I was so excited. I get home. I'm like, honey, mm-mm. Here's what I said. Here, here's how I said it. I said, honey, I got good news and I got bad news. I said, the good news is God's going to give us $20,000 as a down payment for our house. Really? What's the bad news? Bad news is we need to give $200 right now. <laughs> she, she's very generous. She doesn't care. She knew I was crazy. She's like, okay, you know, whatever. God told me. So later that week, we are down in Milton at my mom and dad's. There's a party going on. My mom pulls me aside, and she, she says, your dad and I have talked. We would like to help you with a down payment to get a house. That happens. A couple days later, we get a letter in the mail from Alice's mom, and her mom says the same thing. She says, I want to help you with a down payment on a house. Now, there's no exact amount or anything like that, but just these two. And I think that's enough to at least call Irv Bendorf. Irv Bendorf's a realtor, still goes to this church. I call Irv, I said, Irv, we're in the, we're in the market for a house. And so we start looking at houses with Irv. And, and of course, with houses, the more you can, the, you know, the, the, the more you pay, the better house you get. And so Irv is showing us these houses, and he's like, if you could just do a little more, we could give you something more like this. And, and uh, I got to thinking, you know, not only do we tithe, but we're giving to missions, and we're, we're giving to World Vision every month. And I'm like, if we just gave a little less to missions, we could get a much better house, and I'm supposed to provide for my kids too, and da 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 and I'm in the middle of doing the math. And during my quiet time, I'm doing the math. If, if we were giving less here and we'd, we'd have more for us, I became so angry, so angry at myself, so angry at the devil. I, I'm just, I'm like, we're not doing this. I tell Alice, I said, honey, I'm calling her today. We're not getting a house. We're going to live in MacArthur Manor, and I don't care if we live in MacArthur Manor until Jesus comes back. We're not giving any less than we're giving. She's like, okay. I'm not, I don't know what you're so worked up about. So a week later, Alice's aunt Mame calls. Well, Mame, Mame is now with the Lord, but um, Mame, Alice is like her favorite niece. And so whenever Mame called, she wanted to talk to Alice. And I'm not sure what it was with me, but she just didn't like me as much as she liked Alice. 
So I was very surprised because Aunt Mame calls and Alice says, Aunt Mame wants to talk to you. Huh, all right. So I get on the phone, no greeting, no hi, how are you doing, nothing. Here's what she says. I have a CD coming due in August for $10,000 and the Lord told me to give it to you for a down payment on a house. Whoa, now that's real. Call Irv back. Irv, we're back in the market. So we start looking again. And, and uh, it's starting to get real. And Irv shows, he says, this one's a little out of your range, but I just want you to see what's out there. And so we see this house. And I do, if, if we got the 20000 and I did all the math, we would be $100 short a month. And I'm not, I'm not willing to go there. I, I call Irv. I said, Irv, we can't, we can't do it. Can't do it with that house. The next day, Pastor Heckman brings me in his office and he said, Tom, we're giving raises right now. Here is your raise. And he opens it up. It's exactly $100 a month. I call Irv back. Irv, Irv, we're back in. We're back in, Irv. So my mom and dad come up. They take us out uh, for breakfast. And my dad says, uh, he says, here's what we're willing to do. We are willing to lend you $7,500 or just give you $2,500. And I said, Dad, I said, we can't borrow for the down payment. I said, this is extremely generous. We'll take the $2,500. Thank you so much. So the next week, it's August 11th. We are in Wauwatosa, which is where, they, where Alice's mom lived. It's August 11th, it's our anniversary, but August 11th has the same one-year psalm as February 9th. The one-year Bible goes through Psalms and Proverbs twice, so they, it's twice a year, so we're right back to Psalm 31, 19. It's early morning, have my quiet time, here it is. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you will bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. Alice's mom takes me aside that day and she's got it written down on a piece of paper. She says, this is what I want to give towards that down payment, $7,500. It is exactly $20,000 and we bought that house. Isn't that amazing? So that's story one. Here's the second story and the worship team can start coming for communion. Here's, here's story number two. So uh, it is now December of 2020. We're in the middle of COVID. Everything's hard. And we're having a pastor's meeting. And whoever's leading the meeting has us pair up with another pastor to pray over needs that they have and their vision for 2021. And so I'm paired up with this pastor who's become a very good friend African pastor, pastors a church in this city, and you know, I give him my stuff and what I'd like him to pray into, and he tells me what's on his list to pray for. And one of them is money because he needs dental work done because he lives in pain all the time because of his teeth. And the second one is he's got kids 
he's got two kids that live here, but two are in Ghana still that are waiting to come back, and he's, he's praying that God would bring in $10,000 so that, he, that those kids, the whole family, could be together again. And I, honestly, my heart was broken. And I called a, a dentist I know to figure out what it would cost to do the work, and, and it's, it's, it's now January of 2021, and and we're gonna have an elders meeting to approve this stuff, but I want the staff to know what's on our heart. The staff are all elders as well, and I wanna I want put it out there, and, I'm, and, I, and I explain that the, the teeth thing is probably gonna be about $5,000, and this is $10,000, and I just, I just think we should, and they're, they're all unanimous. We need to give this money. We just need to give that money. Well, in the same meeting, we were talking about the needs here. We, we still had pews here. The carpet was a disaster. You looked under the pews. Oh, it was just putrid. There's stains everywhere. It was just horrible. And, and so we, we talked about what would it cost to change the seating and, and, and to have this auditorium type seating. And um, well, turns out Sarah had done some work on it and to have this seating because there's a, spe- there's a slant to us, so every single one of these chairs had to be built separately and with that angle, it's very expensive. It's like $275,000 for, for the chairs and then the carpet and I insisted, we, we can't, we have to get the carpet that's really, really tight that, that, that you can, if, if somebody spills something, you can just wipe it up as if it was on floor and so this is very expensive carpeting and I, I really should not tell you that because now you'll think you can just spill stuff. Don't spill anything on this carpet. Um, it's not that great. Um, but this, it's, it's $50,000 carpeting and so, so it's like $325,000 just for, I mean, and I'm like, you know, we, we have the money and I just feel like we, we need to do it. This is for the progress of the church and um, and, and they're like, well, maybe, you know, maybe we'll do it. And so I come upstairs, I talked to Don, who was our maintenance guy at the time, and, and said, this is, these are some of the things that we're, we're talking about doing, some of the changes we're talking about doing. And, but the next morning, Chris Lancer, who's our business administrator, comes to me. And he says, Tom, you know, we don't know what December's giving was, but November's, there was a downward trend, and I just... I just, I, he said, I think we need to give that money, but I just, I just I would feel a lot better if we, if we didn't go ahead with everything else. So I go into Don, and I said, Don, you know, everything I told you yesterday about the new seating, and the, scratch it. I said, we might be in pews and on that carpet until Jesus comes back, and I'll be fine with that. We're, not, we're just not gonna do it at this time. And I literally leave that appointment to meet this couple for lunch. And they'd been after me for a while to meet, and I, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if they had, and I've talked to them, and they know I'm sharing this story today. Um, I didn't know what they wanted. And so we, we, we have all of our familiar chat. We order food, and, and the husband finally gets to the point, and he says, uh, he says here's why we, we called for this. We've wanted to do this for a long time. A couple of years ago, I sold my business, and we put a tenth of it, a tithe of it, in a trust account, and we want to do something big for the church. Is there any specific thing that we could do big for the church? Well, I would have had no idea a month ago, two days ago, I went to that, but we just talked about how much everything would cost. I said, well, 
I mean, I don't know how big you're talking about, but this is what it would cost for this, and this is what it was, it was gonna cost for this, and, and the husband says, what else? I'm like, like, you mean like downstairs? You know, I'm like, well, there are other things we could do. And, and he says, uh, he says, we, we want to give a check for $500,000 to the church. We want to pay for all of that. And I said, would you guys mind? I just feel very uncomfortable that you're in my presence right now. Would you guys mind praying about it over the weekend? And if on Monday you feel the same way, we can do that. But, but I, just, I just feel very awkward. They both tear up. They both start tearing up. And here's what he says. Could we please not pray about it? He says, Pastor Tom, we have been, we want to give this money. Let us give this money. It wasn't just the gift. It was the way they gave it. It was so, their hearts were so full. This is who God is. This is who God is. He's a generous God. 